Welcome to Academy Days, a Christian fiction podcast for teen girls. I'm your host and author, Judith. Enjoy! Academy Days, Episode 20, The Christmas Drama Lacey Winters stood backstage behind the inn and twisted her robe sleeves around her fingers. Maybe if she threw up, Mr. Sputnik would send her home and let Sophie Schroeder be the innkeeper's wife. Sophie knew how to schmooze with the public. She should have had the part to begin with. Lacey, are you? Freya, backstage manager, whispered something. But as usual, Freya's backstage whisper was so windy, everything sounded like Mephibosheth and Zerubbabel, neither of which had lived to see the Christmas story. What? Lacey asked. Are you? Something banged and then a series of noises like the theater cracking its knuckles followed. Freya flittered away into the dimness. Only Freya could flitter in these cramped conditions. Even when ECA's chapel stage was extended, the backstage space was really only large enough for the severely malnourished. The music cue sounded, and the innkeeper started arguing loudly about the price of his rooms with one of the many travelers Mr. Sputnik had written into the Bethlehem scene. Lacey gathered the folds of her robe about herself, making sure all the last-minute pins were in place and that her headdress wouldn't slide off. When her husband yelled, Get out if you don't like the price, there's plenty more to take your place, she was supposed to rush in and calm him down. Ridiculous as if anyone could calm Paxton Price down. Lacey's stomach lurched. In two seconds, she'd be out there with Paxton under the lights with the dark abyss before her, full of eyes, gleaming eyes. Lacey, you! Freya breezed by. What? Then Paxton started to yell, and Lacey reached out for the handle of the fake door that led onto the set. And there she was, Standing beside Paxton, he turned towards her, his face full of irritation. Boy, was he good. Scary, actually. How mad he looked. Lacey licked her lips. What was her line again? My wife cooks the best food and keeps the rooms clean. Do you think we are doing all of this for free? Paxton roared at the haggling traveler. Oh, no, he was ad-libbing again. Paxton always ad-libbed when anybody forgot their lines. He said he couldn't bear the tension. But what was her line? She gets up at three in the morning and kneads the dough and makes the egg and bacon casserole for you good-for-nothing travelers, and you say you don't like my price? Bacon casserole? Surely that wasn't kosher. What was her line? Two in the morning she's up knitting fresh blankets and boiling lye for the soap? Paxton stomped his foot. And you say I charge too much? Lie soap? Who was she? Laura Ingalls Wilder? She had to stop this. Lacey squeezed her eyes shut. Line, line. She arises at 1 a.m. and her children call her blessed. Paxton fumed. And you accuse me of driving up stock shares? Be kind, Lacey rasped and grasped Paxton's robe sleeve. Oh, no. That was too short. She had at least three sentences here. Paxton shook loose and seized the traveler by the shoulders. Out, you scum! 
Paxton also tended towards violence and name-calling to fill silence. I... I believe the family across the street have room in their home for one more traveler. Lazy gasped and flailed her arm wildly towards the audience. Move purposefully. Mr. Sputnik's voice echoed like some kind of theater conscience in her mind. Lacey slowed her flail and waggled her fingers at the traveler. Come, again. Paxton stomped towards the imitation fireplace. Get over here, wife, he demanded. Wait, this wasn't in the script either. Lacey scuttled after Paxton, and there they stood, full back to the audience, staring at the electric flames. You were supposed to bargain, and then accept his offer to pay the extra with a bag of barley. Now you sent him across the street, and our inn isn't full, and Joseph's going to show up any second. That's the whole point. The inn is supposed to be full when Mary and Joseph get here, Paxton whispered. He had a great whisper. You could hear it, every word he said, for miles. Unlike Freya. Lacey caught the faint wind of another obscure king name from Second Chronicles, as Freya whispered at her from backstage. Freya also functioned as prompter. This was dreadful. All of Christmas would be destroyed if Mary and Joseph stayed in the inn instead of the stable. Shepherds, kings, angels, they'd all get lost trying to find the baby, and history would go into one of those time-fold wave things like in that sci-fi series. I just remembered, Lacey whirled towards the audience. We're running a special, 25% off with a bag of barley. The traveler rushed back on stage looking relieved and heaved his sack of grain onto the inn table. Packing peanuts flew everywhere as the twine keeping the bag closed sprang loose. Snow, Lacey sang out, and just in time for Christmas. Mr. Sputnik groaned from the front row and Lacey caught sight of a flutter of paper as he buried his face in the program. So much for passing speech this semester. Good evening, kind innkeeper. Joseph stepped onto the stage. No room, Paxton shouted. Full occupancy. Guido, the best Joseph ECA had ever seen, looked so sad and tired. Lacey suddenly wanted to do anything she could to make him feel better. Oh, sit down before you go, she said. Please have some bread. Mary and Joseph moved at an exhausted pace to a bench near the fire. Paxton motioned Lacey to the front of the stage for a husband-and-wife conference, this one in the script. Lacey looked over her shoulder at the travel-worn couple. Mary's hand literally shook as she took the bread Joseph broke off for her. Paxton Price Penny Pincher Innkeeper was about to suggest they stick them, the future parents of Jesus Christ, in a cave with cows. Lacey put her hands on her hips and glared at her husband and lived every bit of the indignation in her lines. Somehow, that dark abyss of the audience became the dark Bethlehem sky. The stage lights became one great light, the star that shone over the Christ child's birthplace. And as Lacey watched Mary and Joseph walk away from the inn, her heart ached for them. This wasn't fair. This rejection, this ignorance, this ignoring of a moment of a person so important to history and all of time. We should have made room for them, she said. Paxton jingled the coins in his robe pockets. The only room left was ours, 
he said. We should have given it to them, Lacey said. Paxton nodded. Perhaps you're right. The next person who offers me triple the going rate shall have our room. He jingled the coins again. Lacey stormed backstage when the lights dimmed and seized the props Freya held out to her. Skinflint, she muttered. Cheapskate. She glanced down at yet another sack full of packing peanuts. It's so small, she huffed. Is this all the food we're giving them? Really? She found her place behind the stable and waited for her cue. The angels sang, and she caught glimpses of their white gowns and fanned-out sleeves, and then she tiptoed onto stage to gather with the shepherds to kneel. The sack of food looked so small, her folded hands so weak. The cave where this couple sat huddled in hay with vulnerable life between them looked filthy cold. Couldn't any one of them have thought this out? Couldn't they have done something more to deserve this moment? Lacey shivered and pulled her arms close, the folds of her first-century gown draping her into formlessness. The shepherds rose, arms lifted high towards the sky, and laughed joy. On cue, Lacey edged in next to Mary and cradled her arms for the baby. The doll stared up at her with blank, blue eyes. Lacey closed hers and imagined dark eyes and hair and small arms wrapped tight and warm against a real heart. I have room for you, Lacey whispered. Other scenes passed. The redemption of the greedy innkeeper and the glitz of the wise men all garish next to the simplicity of the little family. Then Mary and Joseph fled and time passed until John the Baptist walked with Jesus into the water and the choir sang of a journey just beginning to climax in the Easter program next spring. Applause crowned the last high note, and Freya giggled, and tears sparkled in her eyes. Clearly, the strain had broken her. Lacey took a deep breath and joined the cast on stage. The audience looked up at them, and the drape of lighted garland sparked to life over the auditorium entrance and back. Lacey bowed one arm linked with Mary and the other with the innkeeper. She tried not to look directly at people's faces, kept her eyes above their heads where she wouldn't see grins and side comments that made her feel like everybody was laughing at her costume or the way she'd forgotten her lines in the first scene. Then, in a quick downward blink, she spotted Miss Mallory, wiping away a tear and the old lady next to her clapping her hands before clasping them together in pleasure. Lacey lowered her chin and scanned the audience, all smiling and clapping and joyful. They weren't thinking of her. So many, like herself, had lived a moment in the stable with Jesus, a moment not limited to the school theater set or even the end of a holiday. Lacey smiled back at them, and she didn't even feel like throwing up. Thank you for listening to another episode of Academy Days. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bye.